Thank you for that reading. Well, Way in a Manger, Silent Night, they're two of the more beautiful carols, aren't they? They're so lyrical and even peaceful. And, and in a time of year when we like to think that this is a time about peace, I think that's one of the reasons they're, they're, our, they're a lot of people's favourites because they kind of summon that sense of, of peacefulness. They conjure images in our head, don't they, of a, of a baby sleeping in a manger as the, the stars in the sky are twinkling overhead and you've got this pastoral scene with shepherds and animals. I'm imagining the serenity of a calm evening breeze. But if you think about it, it's an extraordinary place for the Messiah that Isaiah spoke about, that we looked at before, to be born. Really think about it. We're so used to hearing about it. Think about it. That great king born there. The all-powerful king who's going to change the world and realise our capital H hopes is resting in a food trough for animals, surrounded by a bunch of smelly shepherds. And yet, there is something very appropriate and very planned about this setting. Because it, it is strikingly humble, isn't it? Well, as he was born, so shall he rule. Even though when he grew to adulthood, Jesus showed power and wisdom of the kind that has never been seen before or since, it will actually be by making himself nothing, by becoming powerless, that Jesus the Messiah will bring that promised hope to the world. Now in the reading that we just had, Mary and Joseph had travelled from Bethlehem into Jerusalem to offer some sacrifices. This would have been about a month and a half after Jesus was born. So if you've got a picture in your head of a month and a half year old baby, year old, that, that, that's what we're talking about. And, and the scene that follows is one of those scenes that I'd love to step into the Bible and be able to sit there and watch it. It's, it's one of those kind of ones. Because you've got this old man named Simeon. Um, who lived in Jerusalem, and Luke tells us that he was, he was a pretty outstanding guy. He was righteous, he was devout, and he had been patiently waiting in hope for God to fulfil his promises to Israel all his life. And God had given him this amazing insight that he would actually get to see what he'd spent his life longing for, that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah. So imagine that. God's promised you that the deepest hope that you were holding in your heart, the thing that generation after generation of Jews before you had hoped for, but not seen, he says, guess what? I'm going to let you see it. And you'll know. Well, God prompts Simeon to go to the temple courts that day. And when he does, he's brought straight to Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Now, I'm not sure what sorts of things you'd, you'd come up in your mind if, that you'd make you say, well, now I can die happy. You know, that's the phrase, well, I can die happy now if... What would, what would that be for you? Well, for Simeon, he had one item on his bucket list. Look at verse 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. But notice that, that the crucial detail there, and that is that Simeon knew that this Messiah was not just going to be 
the king of the Jewish people. He was not just going to be the saviour of the Jews. He would also reveal God's great plan of salvation to the non-Jewish world as well, to most of us here tonight. Now, as you might imagine, Joseph and Mary are pretty stunned. Some old bloke comes up and, and calls your child the saviour of the world. You might be making a couple of phone calls if that happened now. But, but back then, it's, it's kind of like, well, that's nice. It's kind of ramped up from, gee, your kid's cute. Like, isn't he? He's going to be the saviour of the world. But, but what Simeon says next is particularly significant. I don't know if you picked it up when it was being read. He blesses them, but then he says this to Mary. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now that's an intriguing twist to the story. You're expecting that Simeon's going to go up and go, wow, happy days, I've seen the Messiah, and it's all just big celebrations. But he drops this line in. That the, the salvation that this child's going to bring is not going to be without turmoil. He's going to expose hearts. He's going to face opposition. He's going to overturn accepted authorities he's even going to bring personal pain to his mother to Mary herself now that's a bit of a come down if you were Mary and you've got this beautiful six week old child Simeon is saying salvation is not going to come easy and the saviour is not going to be embraced by everybody the astounding reality of real hope is that the only person powerful enough to bring it about, God become flesh, is going to end up achieving that hope for us by setting that power aside. So how, how will hope come this way and why? Well, I want you to think about all of those things that Isaiah said the Messiah would bring. Perfect justice. Good, righteousness, peace, freedom, wisdom, understanding, kindness. I mean, don't we long for a world full of those things? The reason why we long for a world full of those sorts of things is because we feel their absence. We see them in part, but we know that we never see them in their fullness. It's like life in this world is a gift that we unwrap, only to find out that some of the parts are missing and other bits don't work properly. It's frustrating, it's painful, and it's disappointing. The Bible says there is a cause for this, and the cause of this is sin. That's our rejection of God, our, our ignoring him our pushing him out of his rightful place as ruler over our lives. He's God, after all. And, and in doing that, it has broken our world. Our world is under a curse. It's broken life. And at times we might bristle at being told this, but if we really think about it, it's pretty hard to deny the reality of sin. Because deep down we know that we are as much contributors to the disappointments and frustrations of life as we are recipients of those things. 
See, I think the picture that we have for hope on the, on the screen here and with the baubles hanging around, uh, it actually captures this quite, quite nicely. See, at the heart of the word hope there is a cracked bauble. In other words, it's like, it's like something beautiful that has been broken. And that is what's happened to life. And that is what creates longing in every one of us. But that brokenness has got a solution. The power that brings hope is the power of the cross of Jesus. The long-promised king born in a humble manger is going to die an even more humble death. Dying to fix the heart of what has broken our world. Your sin and mine. And three days later, he rose again to life, never again to die. Hundreds of people, hundreds of people came face to face with the risen Jesus within a month of him being hammered to a cross and having a spear shoved through his side. When when Thomas, who had doubted, saw him and touched him, he fell to his knees and he said, my Lord and my God, because he saw what was in front of him that sin had actually been conquered, that death had been defeated, that God had done it, and he had given this amazing promise. The cross and the empty tomb is our saviour doing the saving that he was destined to do. And Jesus' promise is that all of those who turn from their sin and put their faith in him will actually be part of his kingdom that he is making that will last forever that Isaiah told us about and we know that this isn't a vain hope this is a real one he'll do it because he's already begun it his death and resurrection are just locked in history and lives are being changed around the world every day and they have been for 2,000 years ever since it happened and there is more to the promise as Jesus, our Messiah, has come, so he's going, he promises he's going to return. And when he does, this is the great news. Everything, absolutely everything to the last detail will be made right by Jesus. And if you know and love Jesus, then that is an eternal future that God himself promises you will enjoy. That's the hope that Isaiah was talking about. That's the hope that the angels announced to the shepherds. That's the hope that Simeon knew when he held in his hands the infant Jesus. And it's the hope that we're singing about tonight. On the other side of the world, 2,000 years later. And here's the thing about this hope. It's that best category. It's a certain hope. And that means it's the kind of hope that can actually fill your heart and you can hold on to it without fear that it will ever fail. You know, one of Jesus' disciples, a man called Peter, who you may have heard about, he captures the power of this hope beautifully in a letter that he wrote to to a bunch of fellow believers just scattered around the, the Greek world. And he talks about this hope in Christ as if it is a living hope. Have a look at these these wonderful verses from 1 Peter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. We're going to have a reading a little later that's going to give you a glimpse of that. This is the hope that Christmas brings. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, life's still life. It's not going to stop being that. You're still going to feel its frustrations. We're still going to feel its disappointments. We'll still experience a deep longing. But if you're a Christian, that is a hope-filled and joyful longing. Like Simeon, we will patiently wait for Jesus' return and for the fullness of his reign and the perfect, righteous and eternal peace that he's going to bring. So this Christmas, let me finish with this blessing for all of you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Happy Christmas, everybody.